Hi, my name is Pastor Trey from Palm Beach Christian Church, and welcome to the podcast of our Sunday morning services. Today is actually, we're getting ready for Easter Sunday next week, and uh, there's a lot of preparation going on, and there's preparation on our campus, there's preparation with our worship teams, and hopefully there's preparation going on with you as you are listening to this message because the Bible has something of responsibility for all of us believers, and that responsibility comes into sharp focus as we prepare to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. I want to open with a a story about the great artist da Vinci. The story goes that he was painting, and uh, he had a student who had been watching him paint. Now, the student had been with him for months, just watching. He, He had hoped to be able to one day imitate the great artist. And on this particular masterpiece that da Vinci was creating, he was almost finished when he stopped, looked at the student, and said, now you finish it, and he gives him the paintbrush. Now, the student backed away, would not touch the paintbrush, said, no, I, I would never dream of touching your masterpiece. You're the master. I'm just the student. I would only ruin it. But da Vinci said, listen, if what I have done these last months has not inspired you, what good was it for you to have been watching me in the first place? There's a similar question that we must ask ourselves today. If we consider ourselves disciples of Jesus, then there's something that we need to know. Like the Da Vinci story, a disciple is one who is watching the master in order to learn what is needed. Here's the question. If you are wanting to imitate the master to be involved in his work, are you willing to pick up the paintbrush and be inspired to finish his masterpiece? In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, Jesus is sending the 12 disciples out for what you would call a test run. Uh, he, he tells them that they are to go out uh, two by two. They are to heal the sick. They are to cast out demons. He tells them to rely on the kindness of people who are receptive to the message of the gospel. And then they go. They had been watching Jesus do the exact same thing. He had modeled for them in his life, in his ministry, what it would be like to spread the gospel message to people. And he handed them the paintbrush and said, okay, now it's your turn. You pick up where I have left off. You see, being a disciple of Jesus was never supposed to be a passive thing. There was movement. There was ministry. There was involvement. If you read through the Gospels, you'll see that God's intent has always been to commission his people to work alongside of him, alongside of the master on this great masterpiece of redemption. And it's a beautiful picture, redemption. A story of a creator whose creation had rebelled against him, and they were now hopelessly lost with no power to make things right. They were a people who were spiritually dead in their sins. But God, but God in his mercy provided a path back to life. It's a beautiful picture of an old rugged cross, so despised by the world, a wondrous attraction to those who see that in Jesus' death there can be life. In His resurrection there can be hope. In His scars there can be healing. That's the magnificent work of art 
And then, as the resurrected Jesus then returned back to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, it was as if the Father then turned to his disciples, to us, and handed us the brush and said, Now you finish it. Now let me ask you. Now that you know that God has a plan and a purpose for you, would you like to now know how you can accomplish that task to help finish the masterpiece? Would, would, would you like to know how to do it without being overwhelmed and feeling inadequate like da Vinci's art student had? Well, that's what today's message is all about. Again, next week is the Sunday in which we hold a very special celebration of Jesus' resurrection. Now, of course, we should be celebrating the resurrection every Sunday, uh, every day, in fact. But traditionally, the church has set apart one Sunday in the spring and Again, how they calculate it, I, I, I'm so confused by. Uh, we should be celebrating it at Passover time, since that's when we are told in Scripture when Jesus' death and resurrection took place. Uh, but, uh, you know, somewhere along the line, somebody wanted to uh, tie it with uh, the third Sunday after the second full moon after the... Th- I don't know. But I digress. Sorry. But it's on that Sunday that once a year that we celebrate Jesus' resurrection and our redemption. We celebrate the fact that God, through Christ, overlooked our sin and forgave us. We rejoice in the promise of new life, of having a clean slate, of having a renewed relationship with our Creator. And it's the biggest celebration for Christians worldwide. Because without the resurrection, there is no hope. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are also lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, then we are, of all people, most to be pitied. You see, the gospel of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection is our hope. And yet... It can't end with us. The hope of the gospel isn't just for you. It's for the world. It's for your family. It's for your friends. It's for your neighbors, your co-workers, your children, your grandchildren. See, God wants all people to find that hope. But we cannot assume for one moment that people are going to automatically decide to call out to God to find that hope. You can't assume that. You know that assumptions can be quite dangerous Heard a great story about a photographer for a national magazine who was assigned to cover a a huge, huge wildfire that was raging. Uh, The uh, photographer said that he needed an aircraft, and so the the magazine provided one. They said, you need to get down to the local uh, airport, and it'll be waiting for you there on the runway. As as the photographer was kind of flying in low to, to, to the airport, he saw the aircraft uh, jumped out of the taxi, ran to, to catch that plane, gets in, and then tells the pilot where to fly to. And, and as the, the pilot uh, took off, they started to get uh, over to where the fire was, and, and the, the photographer kept urging him, you, you need to get closer. You, you need to fly a little bit lower. And, and the, the pilot says, why? And the photographer says, listen, I, I, I need pictures. I'm a photographer. I need pictures. And the pilot said, wait a second. You aren't the instructor? Yeah, it's very dangerous to assume things. 
We can't assume that people are going to come to us and ask us about our faith. We can't assume that they're going to come and, and say, hey, I've been watching your life, and man, you, you just you, you, you live differently. You have a, a different way of talking. That happens occasionally, but you can't assume that it will always happen. A lot of people out there, they're realizing that there's something missing in their life, something beyond their control that they can't put their finger on, but they don't know what it is. And so they're not going to necessarily reach out to you to ask A lot of times people know that they need God, but they have no idea how to find Him. And so the hope that we have, the hope we have found, is what we are to share with others. Today I really want to focus in on a chapter of the book of Romans, Paul's letter to the Roman Christians. If you'll take your Bible, you'll want to go to Romans chapter 10. Paul is laying out an argument here about our part our part in painting the masterpiece of redemption that Jesus started, that God started through Jesus. And then he gave to us the paintbrush and said, now it's your turn. This is our part. Let's look at verse 13 and following from Romans chapter 10. You probably have heard this before. Paul says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, he's quoting from the prophet Joel there, and he's being very clear. He's being very clear that it's only through the name of the Lord, Jesus, that people can be saved. But then he goes on and he says, how then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Now, Paul's very clear unless people have somebody to tell them about the gospel, they will never really know the gospel. And if they never know the gospel, then they will never find that hope. You and I have been commissioned by the great artist to take up work on the masterpiece in order for God's full purpose to be fulfilled here on earth. You see, we are the primary way that God uses to express his good news throughout the world. It's called, don't be afraid, don't freak out, but it's called evangelism. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, evangelism. Evangelism simply is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. It's pretty obvious here from Romans chapter 10 what needs to be done. Before anyone can believe, they need to hear the message. And for someone to hear the message, somebody has to be the one to tell them. Why not angels? I mean, after all, God used angels in the past, didn't he? Why can't he use angels? He had Gabriel go tell Mary that she had been chosen to bear the Messiah. He used an angel to tell Abraham and Sarah that they were going to have a baby in their old age. He used an angel to announce to Zechariah that he would be the father of the forerunner of the Messiah, John the Baptist. Uh, well, now, wait a second. Come to think of it, unless you're hoping to get pregnant, maybe you wouldn't want an angel to come and talk to you. <laughs> I mean, But you'll say, but why doesn't he use angels? Because angels are messengers. Well, the answer is because that mankind, human beings, they're really the only beings that have been created by God who actually know what it's like to be lost and then found. To be blind and have their sight restored. 
to be dead in their sins and have the gift of grace and salvation given to them by the mercy of God. See, angels don't know what that's like. We read of, uh, in 2 Peter chapter 2, we read that the angels who had rebelled against God way back in the beginning of time, those who had rebelled against God, they are being held in gloomy dungeons until the final judgment. And at the final judgment, they will be condemned forever. They were not given a second chance. They were not given a hope of forgiveness. They were not given grace. See, angels have no idea what it's like to be forgiven and to be bought back from slavery to sin. They, they have no real sense of the joy and the eternal gratitude that comes from being washed clean. Isn't that amazing? It's only sinful man who has been given the good news of the grace of God. They are the ones, mankind, they are the ones to whom the offer of salvation was extended. They who were made in the image of God, designed by God for relationship and intimacy with Him. Angels, they were created and designed by God just to serve. So to those, who, those of us who have accepted the offer of redemption, of new life, of a renewed relationship with God, we now serve in God's kingdom as ambassadors. If you'll go with me real quick to Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, I'm I'm doing this on the fly as well. Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, beginning in verse seventeen, where we read of the results of our redemption. Uh, the, the results. What what needs to happen now that we have been redeemed? If if you're in Second Corinthians chapter five, uh, look at verse seventeen and following. Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That's a great verse to memorize, by the way, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins Against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. You see, that's our responsibility right there. If we are redeemed, we now have a redemptive responsibility, and that is to be the ones who bring the, 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 the message of reconciliation to the world. He continues on in verses 20 and 21 We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's our message as his ambassadors. Verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's one of my very favorite ways of expressing the gospel, by the way, that he became sin so that we could become righteousness That's the message. That's the gospel message. And we are the ambassadors of the upside-down kingdom. And and the power of the Holy Spirit has come into us and is changing us and reshaping us into the image of Jesus. And and we're learning to live in the holiness of God. And so our message as ambassadors in that kingdom is to go out into the world and tell people, listen, listen. There is hope for you. You can be reconciled to the Heavenly Father. 
because we're still living among those who are yet lost and dying. Those people who are still stuck in the miry pit of sin, they are all around us. Though we are living in the the upside-down kingdom, we see people stuck in the kingdom of the world, reaping the horrible consequences of a life lived for things that just do not satisfy and where they will end up in a godless eternity. God calls His people, His ambassadors, to bring the hope of the gospel to such as these. Because if not us, then who? Evangelism. (laughs) You might say, Trey, I know evangelism is a gift. It's not my gift. I can't do it. You know, a lot of followers of Christ have a tendency to believe that if they don't have the gift of evangelism, then they're not responsible for evangelism. Church, God's purpose is that all of us, every believer, we have, we have an opportunity and a responsibility to help other people get to heaven. Every person, every believer becomes a candidate to be sent to tell the good news Now, I don't mean that when you become a Christian, you immediately sign up to go to a foreign land, although there are plenty of opportunities to do that here at our church if you would like to. But it means that you are, whether you go across the seas or stay right here in our community, you are now in a position to be used where you can bring the message of the gospel to other people. Now, how do you do that? Well, it involves a few things. First of all, it involves telling your story. This is that, that whole illustration of, you know, I was once this. I, I once lived like this. This is what used to characterize my life. But then I found Jesus. Jesus came into my life, and now this is how I live. This is who I am. This is what I do. Let me ask you this. Is, is your life different because of Jesus? Is your life different in some way because of Jesus? Your vocabulary, your priorities, your your circle of friends, your sense of purpose, your sense of identity, your lifestyle. If your life is different because of Jesus, then guess what? You have a story. And as an ambassador for the Upside Down Kingdom, you are called to share that story with those who have no hope. So it involves telling your story. It also involves knowing what the gospel consists of. you got to know the gospel. You you don't have to know a lot of stuff in the Bible. You don't have to know the kings of Judah in order. You don't even have to necessarily memorize the order of the books of the Bible. Though, if we have kids in Awana learning that, then maybe we should have adults learning that as well. But you got to know what the gospel consists of. You've you got to know what the gospel means to have an understanding of how God planned for, first of all, to, the law to come to show us that we were sinners, and then to send His Son Jesus to come and live a sinless life so that He could die on a cross to pay the penalty that comes from our sin. And then, three days later, for Jesus to be raised in power, and death was defeated. And so was hell, and so was the power of the devil. And Jesus did that so that we could be brought back to life. That's what the gospel is. You've got to know what the gospel consists of so that when people say, well, then what do you believe that these other people don't believe? How do I get to God? You've got to know 
what to tell them. It also then involves just your life, pointing people to a life-transforming relationship with Jesus. Because if it hasn't changed you, then why should they even want this? See, that's, that's becomes our, when that becomes our business, when, when, when pointing people to a life-transforming relationship with Jesus becomes our business, by our lifestyle, by our words, when we actually tell them what the gospel says, well, when we share our story, when that becomes our business, the Bible tells us that something amazing, something transformative happens to us as believers, as ambassadors. I, I want you to consider your feet right now. I want you to think how you view, how you feel about your feet. Now, are you somebody who thinks feet are kind of cool and, and pretty? Or are you, like my wife, absolutely disgusted with the thought of feet? Whatever you may think of them, many people think feet are pretty funny looking, if not downright ugly. Some people are embarrassed for anybody to even look at their feet. My, my toenails, for example, are pretty hideous. You'd probably get grossed out if you looked at them. But what if I told you that your feet could actually be transformed into something that was actually considered beautiful? You know that they have such a thing as hand models, people who get paid because they have beautiful hands. They may have a very ugly face, but they have very beautiful hands, and they get paid to be a hand model. Well, let me tell you this. There is a way that you can have beautiful feet, as beautiful feet as any hand model's hands would be beautiful I, I want to go back to Romans chapter 10. So if you've lost your place, you've got to go back there. Romans chapter 10. I want to look at verse 15 where Paul is actually quoting the Old Testament. In verse 15, he says this, How can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now that verse was first used in Isaiah. And that's, by the way, if you're following our Bible reading plan, that's in our plan this week. It was also quoted by the minor prophet Nahum. And it's important to understand that in ancient times, in order for a king to relay a message to his subjects, he used messengers. Messengers were sent out, and oftentimes they were sent out on foot. They might even have to travel miles on foot to deliver the message. Now, the message that was being sent might not always be good, if the message was good, well, then you know that the messenger was the most popular person around when he delivered that message, right? It's like the Wells Fargo wagon is coming down, and, and I'm excited because there might be something really cool for me. Yeah, I had a job once delivering flowers, and then I, I had a job later in life delivering fruit that looked like flowers, and I loved that job. I loved that job because I got to bring smiles to people's faces. People loved me when I showed up with those kinds of deliveries. But I'm sure that uh, the person who delivers a subpoena or a summons isn't as popular. At times, the message is good, but at times the message is bad. Like, for example, in, in Job, when Job was told that his children had all been killed. So if you were told that there was a message waiting for you from the king, Man, your heart might be racing, wondering if is this good <laughs> or is this or is this bad? 
And, and when you found out that it was good news, you would say that, oh, the messenger's feet, they were beautiful. Not necessarily in a physical sense of adornment with uh, sparkly nail polish or what have you. Not coming straight from the pedicurist, but beautiful in the sense of timeliness. It, it was as if you would say, man, you arrived just in time. Just when I needed some good news, you showed up. How beautiful are your feet? Church, there are people all around us in desperate need of good news. They're, they're going through a trying time. They, they don't near, need to hear people say, hey, just suck it up, or, or hey, hang in there. They need to hear that they are loved and that there's somebody out there who cares for them, that there's a God who cares for them. Did you know that most people are, are more eager to receive the gospel during times of their life that are very hard uh, or, or ch- a change? Maybe they're, they're moving. Maybe there's been a death in the family, or maybe they've just gone through a divorce. It seems like whenever the rug is ripped out from under people, they're more willing and ready to hear something about hope from somebody who understands spirituality and knows who God is, who's offering them something way different than what the world is offering to them. So you can see Paul's imagery here in Romans 10. Somebody going through a tough time in in need of good news. There's a message of hope that needs to be heard, but it's only going to be heard when those people who know that hope for themselves, when they are willing to take that message to other people. When is the last time somebody said to you, man, you have beautiful feet? Do you have beautiful feet? Why don't you take off your shoes right now and show your feet to uh, somebody there at uh, your home. Ask them if you have beautiful feet. I'm I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. (laughs) In a spiritual sense, though, would your feet be considered beautiful? Would they be seen as going to people who are in desperate need of hope and arriving just in time with just the right message? Church, next week is Resurrection Sunday. And I know that this is one of those weeks where people who may have refused an invitation to church on any other Sunday may very well accept that invitation this week. There are people who are raised to respect Easter Sunday, what we call Resurrection Sunday, and and know that it is important. They know it's important to be in church on that day at least. You have people in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood, at work, at school, who are used to being in church on a Resurrection Sunday. It becomes a tradition for them. Now, you may have no idea what's been going on in their life. You may not really know the effect of the pandemic that is had, that's, that's there in their life. You may be so, they may be so ready to hear some news of hope, a hope that goes beyond human government, or human philosophy, something deeper than what the Kardashians can offer. But if you don't ask them, if you don't ask them to maybe be your guest at church next week, they may never know what Jesus can offer to them. 
Again, I doubt many are going to come right out and ask you if they can just accompany you to church next Sunday from out of the blue. But it has been my experience that an invitation from you may be exactly what they are waiting for. And I always think that if they feel like they have to be in church anyway, they might as well go with someone that they like, somebody that they know, so that they're not feeling like they're sticking out like a sore thumb. Are you willing to take the message to tell your story? to share even just an invitation to a resurrection service at church. By the way, I have just put together a bunch of invites that you can just take with you. If you are listening to this podcast and would like to swing by the church sometime this week uh, before Easter Sunday, and if you'd like to take some of those as a, as a tool to help you invite somebody so that you don't feel like it's out of the, out of the ordinary, out of the blue, I'd love to give you that tool to help you maybe give that to a a neighbor that you uh, would like to see come to Jesus or a family member who is uh, lost and and still in the world. If you do that, if you're willing to share your story, if you're willing to take the message, if you're willing to share an invitation to come to church you will undergo the greatest pedicure that you can ever imagine. As what the Bible has said, your feet will become beautiful in bringing the message of hope to a dying world. You got to put it into practice, folks. You got to put it into practice. See, there's an odd fisherman from Minnesota who was very well prepared. He knew how to fish. He, He had everything you needed to be a good fisherman. He had poles and nets and baits and even a really nice boat. But he had a problem. Because you see, for all of that preparation, for all that gear, he never caught anything. He never caught even one fish. Not one. Not ever. And do you know why? Because he never went fishing. He had all the knowledge. He had all the equipment. But he never got into the boat. He never left the dock. He never cast his line into the water. And he never caught a fish. Folks, What good is it for us to have sat and watched the Master? To read in the Bible what was important to Him. To hear the message of the good news of the kingdom of God. To observe how Jesus would reach out to others. What good is it for us to have read all of that and still never pick up the paintbrush to do our part in the masterpiece of redemption? He did the work at Calvary. And now our part, well, we have a message to take to the world. All right. So that's the message that uh, I really want you guys to see and hear before Easter Sunday. I uh, want to thank Lisa Welly, my producer, for getting these messages up on our website and on the podcast and uh, for encouraging me to to uh, do these kinds of things so that uh, we can reach out to even more people than those who gathered here. You're invited to come to our campus at 13720 Southwest Highway 126 in Powell Butte, Oregon. On Sunday mornings, we have three services, uh, 8.30 and 10.30 in our worship service, in our worship center, 11.30 in our historic chapel. That's our more traditional service. On Easter Sunday, we also have a 6 o'clock sunrise service out at Tom's Pond, which is about a mile and a quarter north of Highway 126 on Williams Road, right there at the corner of, of the church. That's where Williams Road is. Anyways, I'm, I'm so glad you're tuning in.
I, I love to know that uh, the message is going out. And if uh, you ever wanted to show up here at uh, the church, uh, make sure you come up to me and tell me that you've been listening to the podcast. All right, you have a blessed week, and may God shine through you.